This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. As we get started today, what I want to do is just remind you, last week I gave you a definition of what work is, and it's the first thing in your notes today, that work is an invitation from God to display His glory to a world that needs to see faith, hope, and love in action. The world needs to see faith, hope, and love in action, and we, we know that, and a lot of times we miss. Uh, diagnose what work is. We think of it as as punishment, and perhaps we're bitter about having to do it, and maybe it's just something that drains you, but the truth is is that work in the context of the scriptures correctly understood is a blessing. It's a blessing to know that God is providing for you. It's a blessing that you're able and capable of working, so work is a blessing. It's a good thing, and we see that all throughout scripture. Maybe the most succinct teaching on that comes in Matthew 5, 16, in this one simple verse where Jesus says, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. A lot of times when we think about that verse, we think about good works as being charity, but it's really not that. It's really speaking more to our vocations because as we work, it's an invitation to to respond to God, to worship him, and then as we respond to him, the glory of God is shown and the world gets to see faith, hope, and love in action in us. It's a profound thing. All right, and I've loved this series because for the past several weeks, I've been getting text messages and Facebook messages and different emails from you guys sharing with me how you've actually put this into practice. I love it. All right, I love that there are bosses that are now encouraging their employees and there are employees that are looking to their peers and finding ways to encourage them. I love the fact that you're actually taking this stuff and adopting it. Because the truth is, is that number two in your notes is that every role that we have in life requires work. Everything in life, and many of you wear different hats. You have the hat of parent and wife and husband, and you have the hat of employee, and you have the hat of bill payer and lawnmower and leaf blower, and whatever it is that you wear, the different roles that you have in life. And see, all of those are really God-given. God wants you to have them, but in them, God wants you to be healthy. God wants you to be healthy. And there's a way to go about doing some good things the wrong way. And when we do good things the wrong way, all of a sudden they become bad things. You ever notice that about life? That a good thing can become a bad thing just because we approach it the wrong way. And so it takes work to be healthy. God wants you to have a healthy marriage. He wants you to be healthy financially. But it takes work. It takes work. And all of those roles that we have in life takes work. And the, the next thing you notice is really kind of the, the crux statement of the whole message today, that there's a constant tension around where we will focus our work. It's a constant tension around that, all right? And, and this is where many of you actually live in this as a constant problem that you have. You, you constantly are getting in uh, fights and heated discussions, maybe just nice, pleasant discussions with your spouse about where your work is focused, because maybe there's been a problem balancing the, the work that you do at, at work and then the work that you do at home, right? This is a constant tension. I think probably the greatest tension that we live with culturally, because this is a problem in our culture. 
Can I just for a moment explain the difference between a problem and attention? Many of us have problems in our lives. Here's the thing about a problem. A problem is, for example, I don't have the money to pay the power bill. Okay, there is a solution, an indefinite, simple solution to that. I just need to get the money to pay the power bill. But there's a tension that exists typically behind it. And the problem with a tension as opposed to a problem is a tension does not have a simple solution. As a matter of fact, tensions in our lives are navigated with principles. There is no simple solution that I can give you. As a matter of fact, I would love to be able to say, hey, let's just give me, let me give you the amount of time that you should spend in each of the quadrants of your life. As a matter of fact, I think it would be helpful if we just talked about the different roles that we have in life. So let's do a little whiteboard here. The different roles that we have in life. The first role that many of us have is what I would call our career. Now, you go to work every day, Monday through Friday, many of us working many, many hours. The truth about work is that in this year, you will do more work than you will do almost anything else. Most of us, statistically, the only thing you'll do more than go to work is sleep, okay? Work is very, very important, and we wear the hat of, uh, of an employee, of working in our career, of being a boss, whatever it is for you and your career, but that's not the only thing that we want. And we've focused largely in that quadrant, but we have other things that we must do in life to manage our life. I mean, here's the truth. It takes work to actually feed yourself and to clean up after yourself. It takes work to, to do the laundry and fold the laundry. It takes work to keep a clean house and to mow the grass and to keep the oil changed in your car. It takes work to do all of that. And managing our life, paying the bills, balancing our checkbook, all of that stuff takes work. But that's not all you got to do, is it? As a matter of fact, there's more that we have to do. Most of us are parents. A lot of us are parents in the room, and we have kids, and our kids need our help, and we must be there. We want to be there. We love our kids, and I think we live in an ever-increasingly kid-centric world where our kids get a lot of our attention and love and focus. It's not thoroughly healthy. There's a lot of books being written about the way that we approach that, but we do want to be there for our kids. So there's more time and work that takes. It takes a lot of work to be a good parent. And then next, maybe you're in here and you're married and you wear the hat of being a spouse and you really want a good marriage. You want to have a good marriage. You want to have a good quality time with your, with your spouse, but, but there's so much that's pulling in so many different directions. It's just hard to squeeze that time out. And there's something missing up there. It's the last one. That we're Jesus follower. Welcome back, VBS Jesus. So glad to have you. I love that. Uh, like, you know, look at all these things. I love them. Um, but we're a Christ follower. And we have all of these roles in our lives. And I think that the, the problem when we look at the work that it takes to do all of those well is this, is that we have no margin in our lives. We have no margin in our lives. I think that maybe the greatest resource in our culture is not money. It's our time. You ever thought about that? The most successful people in the world, the most productive people have the same 24 hours a day that you do. And we often live marginless in our time. We just consume it and consume it and consume it without any thought or purpose or plan. 
Look at what the Bible says in Proverbs 21. Now, this is talking about, about other resources, but let's just think about it in the, the aspects of our time and energy. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. In other words, a foolish man has no margin. A foolish man has no margin. They just take, all right, I have this much, I will consume that much. You may be sitting there thinking, what is margin? How can I understand what margin is? Let me just give you a simple definition. Margin is the difference between what you have and what you need. That's your margin. It's the difference between what you have and what you need. And the truth is, is that if we add up all the time that we must devote the work and parenting, being a good husband and all that stuff, we just don't have much time. I mean, if we're looking around the the room and looking around our city, looking at the landscape of our friends and our relatives, the the truth is, is that many people struggle with this tension of where should my work be focused? How do I balance between my home and my work life? Because many people have no margin. They're overcommitted in every area of their life. That's normal. That's a normal way of going about working and living today. But let me just remind you of a truth that I've said many times before. That if you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. What's normal today? Normal is being stretched, being stressed, being strapped. Normal is being anxious and depressed and worried. Normal is not having time to do the things that you really want to do because you're doing things that you feel like you have to do. That's what normal is. If you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. But if you want what only a few have, you must be willing to do what only a few are willing to do. And so for the rest of our time this morning, I'm really going to be very practical and talking about what we need to do if we're going to live like only a few are willing to live so that we can live in the scope of our work, devoting ourselves to the things that really do ultimately make a difference. So in the next section, as we start talking about cheating this morning, let me just remind you that number one in your notes there is that it's normal to have too much work in your life. It's normal to have too much work. Just put that rolls up. Let's wait. Actually, wait a second. Put that back up. It's normal. There's some of y'all wasn't done writing. I know that, okay? For you slow writers, we're going to keep that up for a second. <laughs> All right. Now to the graphic. All right. There's, if, we, if we add up the time that it takes to do this, let's think about the way we normally process this. Well, I, I've got to work my eight hours. It takes me 30 minutes to get to work. And so I've got nine, nine and a half hours devoted into my, my career every day. And then I've, I've, got, I've got to take care of my house. I've got to cook dinner. I've got to cook breakfast and grab lunch and do all of that sort of thing. And so I've probably got three or four hours devoted into managing my life each day. And then it's my kids. You know, they need help with their homework. And then I've got to clean up after them, help them get back into bed. So I've got three, maybe two or three hours there. And then, well, I do have a spouse, but I don't have much time. You, do you see how we start to think about things? And, and what about Jesus? By the time we've allocated all of our resources, where, where is he? I want you to see Romans 12 and think about this in the way that we kind of allocate our time and resources. Look at Romans 12 too. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, I think so many times we do what is normal. And it is normal when we encounter something new, when your kids come and say, hey, mom, I want to do this. When your husband says, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. When your, when your community service organization asks you, can you do this? All of these things, when they all pop up in your calendar, it is normal for us to ask, can I fit that in? Can I fit that? That's the normal question. Can I make it work? But I want you to understand that's a bad question. And in life, always, if you ask the wrong question, you will always get the wrong answer. If you ask the wrong question, you'll always get the wrong answer. I think a better question for us to process thing is, what's the wisest thing for me to do? What's the wisest thing for me to do? That's an uncommon question. God's, what is your will for me? In this, what is the wisest thing to do? Because I think that we must start to more carefully evaluate the way that we spend our time and make commitments. Because number two, in your notes, we must decide as we evaluate which roles in our lives are unique to us. See, there are some roles in your life that are unique to you. Let me just explain what that means. There, there are things that you're doing, some hats that you wear, that only you can wear them. Nobody, no matter how gifted or special they are, can wear that hat the way that you wear that hat. Nobody can fulfill that role the way that you fulfill that role. And then there are common roles that we have. Common roles are roles that we have that somebody else could do. And the truth about it is, not only could somebody else do it, but most likely, eventually, somebody else will do it. So what are unique roles that we have? Well, obviously, I want to point out today, if you're married here, that being a husband or being a wife, that is a unique role. It's unique to you. God has joined you together. The scriptures say that where the two were two, they are now one. And God has united you in a spiritual union. Only you have the capacity to be a good spouse. You cannot outsource being a good spouse to somebody else. Okay? That's a unique role. Another unique role is if you're a parent in here, being a dad or being a mom, only you can be dad or mom. Now, there's plenty of people that can love our kids. I'm so thankful to live in a community with a lot of people who love our kids because sometimes I'm just not in a good mood and I don't love them real well. And it's nice to be able to pass them off to somebody else, right? But the truth is nobody else can be their dad, no matter how much they love them, no matter how much they care about them. That's a role that is unique to me. You know what else is a unique role? in your life. Being a Christ follower is a unique role. Being in Stanley County is so interesting because being in the rural South, when we have conversations about our spiritual journey, it's so neat for me to ask somebody, hey man, how are you doing with Jesus? And then, and it's so common to hear this response. I'm doing good. You know, my dad was a Baptist pastor. My granddad pastored for 30 years. Oh, really? 
can I just tell you something today? Nobody else other than you can forge your relationship with Jesus. And you can't hang your spiritual hat on what your brother's done, what your mom's done, or what your kids do. I don't care who your dad is. I don't care who your grandparents were. Any sort of relationship that you have around, your relationship with Jesus is unique to you. But there's a problem. There's a problem in the spectrum of things. Is that when we step back and we look at all the things that we have to do, we start adding up all the hours that are required to meet all the requirements across the board. The next thing you know is, is the truth that we all live with is that somebody's going to get cheated. Somebody's going to get cheated. So, so put that graphic up. So many of us will go, well, I've got my nine hours devoted to my job, and then, you know, I've got so much that I've got to do when I get home, and then I need to work with my kids, and I'm really trying, I'm really trying to be a good spouse, and so we're going to get our 15 minutes of intentional intimacy tonight. <laughs> Y'all can just interpret that however you want to. 15 minutes might be generous, all right? <laughs> Where, where's Jesus over here? Where's Jesus? Where's he left? See, so many times when we approach the requirements of the day, somebody is going to get cheated. You're going to cheat something. And in the end of the day, what ends up happening is we cheat Jesus. And it's such an inverted reality compared to the way that God designed us to live. Now, I'm going to show you a verse, and I'm really going to anchor the rest of this talk in that, but here's, I'm going to leave it up for a little while because I want it to sink into your souls this morning. Look at this. Matthew 6.33. Jesus speaking of his father, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, all the other things that you've worried about, all these things will be given to you as well. Seek him first. And what thoroughly blows is that many of us seek him last. Seek his kingdom. That the kingdom of God would come on earth the way that it is in heaven, that he would reign and rule and dominate this world with his goodness and kindness to seek his kingdom and then to seek his righteousness. You know that word righteousness means? The right way of doing things. See, here's the problem. As so many of us first seek our own righteousness, seek our perceptions and impose our perceptions of what is right on the world. Even if it's good. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. But the problem is, is that so many of us blow that because we seek other things first. And I want you to know that this is the hinge to doing it all right. Because there are unique roles in your life that only you can do. But all of those are connected 
to your relationship with Christ. As a matter of fact, think about this. When it comes to being a husband and a wife, the way that God wants us to be, the, the biblical passage that is the, the paramount teaching on it comes out of Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. He opens that passage with this verse. Now submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. In other words, if you try to love your spouse and you don't love Jesus, you won't love your spouse. If you try to get it right, but you haven't got that right, you won't be able to get it right. So the only way to wear that unique role the right way is to get that right first. And then think about being a parent, being a dad or a mom in here. The premier passage in all the Bible that talks about parenting comes out of Deuteronomy 6. The the rabbis call it the Shema. It's so important that they literally took it for every word as they mounted scriptures on their head and tied them to their doorposts. But that passage gives us this command as it opens in Deuteronomy 6, verses 6. These commands, as Moses had just retold the law, these commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Think about what that verse, keep that verse up there. God says, listen, here's the thing about your kids. I want you to lead your kids in a way that it's going to make a difference. You're going to impress the word of God on them. But first, it's got to impact you. See, God wants to do something through you, but first he must do something in you. Because y'all listen to this. You cannot give your kids something that you don't have. And it all starts with being faithful to that unique role that you have as a Christ follower. So if we're going to choose to cheat, and we are, every one of us is going to choose to cheat. The last thing you notice today is that we need to choose to cheat for the unique roles in your life. It's going to be hard. Because it's going to mean for the first time for some of you, you're going to have to start saying no to some people. You might be saying no to your boss. You might be saying no to a client. But here's the thing about saying no. We need to learn to say no to many good things so that we can say yes to the best things. And far too many of us have laid the best down as an altar and sacrificed it to the good. See, every no is a yes to something. And far too many of us, far too many of us have been saying yes to our careers. Been saying yes to bosses that that have been very demanding of you. We've been saying yes to them, but at the same time, we're saying no to unique roles that only you can fulfill. I remember sitting in my office with my friend Mike. Mike was in his late 50s. 
He'd worked his entire career at the same place. He was an engineer. Mike helped design some of our most fun and interesting roller coasters that we have across the country. What a cool job, right? He loved his job. He loved working. And he sat in my office crying as his company had fired him for no reason except that they could hire somebody that was younger and pay them less. And through tears, he told me, Kevin, I miss birthdays. I miss anniversaries. I miss things that mattered so that I could be at work. All for this. Can I interpret what he said? I sacrificed and cheated my unique roles in life for a common role, for something that somebody can and will eventually do. So what if, what if we decided right now that from this point on, we will no longer cheat God? I'm no longer cheat you, God. I'm no longer going to cheat you. God, if I'm going to cheat anything else, I'm going to choose to cheat the common roles that I have in my life, the things that somebody can and will eventually do. God, I'm going to cheat those. never going to cheat you. Here's why. Because your role as a husband and a wife, it is a God-given role that flows out of your relationship. Your your role as a a parent is a God-given role that you have that flows out of your relationship with God. And here's the thing about it. There will never be another first basketball game. There will never be another high school prom. There will never be another day that your child comes home with their heart broken for the first time. And in that moment, God has invited you to display his glory by showing faith, hope, and love and action. You know, it all comes down to this simple question. What do you trust? What do you trust? What is it in your life that you trust today? See, for many of us, we, if we're going to be honest, our actions would actually say that we trust our employer more than we trust our God to provide for us. If we're going to be honest, our actions would say that we entrust our boss to guide our lives more than we entrust the word of God to guide our lives. And we cheat God to serve those. We worship them. Because whatever you trust is what you worship. And there are some of us that are here today and we we trust, right now, we trust our capacity to earn more than we trust God's capacity to provide. And out of fear, you have bowed your life to worship a common role that somebody can and will eventually do. Look at this verse out of Psalm 40, 40 verse 4. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord. 
the joys. Who have no confidence in the proud or in those who worship idols. I want you to understand today that when we take the humble position of finally saying, God, I trust you. I'm going to say no to things that are good. They sound like a good plan. They may even be my plan, and it might be good, but it's contradicting your plan. And so, God, I'm going to say no to good things that I can say yes to you. Because if we will seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he will take care of all the rest. So as you choose to cheat, Let's make up our minds today that we will never cheat him. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.